Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Sports with Coleman presents The Business of Sports. Cash rules, everything around. Show me the money. Dollar, dollar bill, yo. The X's and O's of professional front offices. 105.7 The Fan. Money. We have reached that time, one of my favorite times of the week. Time to talk the business of sports. We do it every week, sometimes Wednesday, sometimes Thursday. Tonight, it's a Friday. Marty Conway, sports business and management professor from the Georgetown University, joins us. And Marty, thanks as always for taking the time. Let's begin with the breaking news that came on, really, right before I hit the airwaves, and that was the Ravens announcing that Dick Cass is stepping down after 18 years with the franchise, the third team president in the history of the organization, and longtime sports executive Sashi Brown, most recently with Monumental Sports, prior to that in the NFL, will take over for Dick Cass, and I guess be Steve Bishotti's representative at these owner meetings that he doesn't like to attend. Yeah, good evening, Jerry. Um, I know this this came out late Friday, um, and might be a surprise to some it was it was quite honestly not a surprise in the sports business community um the pandemic has changed the plans for a lot of people um i think dick might have been one of those that he might have been targeting somewhat earlier um but nonetheless uh through the course of this year i think more and more people thought that this might be the the year for it although they didn't expect it today but it is a pretty significant move yeah dick's been there almost 20 years and he, you know, had a wide responsibility. Look, NFL front offices aren't as large as some people might think, and so his two areas of responsibility among everything he had were all of the business operations and a local focus, but then also representing, increasingly representing Steve at NFL meetings because he does not attend as much as he used to. Um, and so that that's a lot. And and so I think at some point he felt like it was time for him to step back and and do pursue some other interest and in into this void you know step Sashi Brown who might be a new name to people in Baltimore although you know he's not new to football but as you mentioned for the last two and a half years or so he's been with Ted Leonsis's organization specifically in the monumental basketball side Tommy Shepard was general manager running the roster coaching hires Sashi was running other things medical and, and facilities and the G League and the WNBA and so he'd, he'd been increasingly involved in that along with John Thompson III. Uh, and so he's, he, you know, he's stepping into familiar territory, running an NFL. Now, he's not run, to my knowledge, the business side, sponsorship sales, tickets, and things like that. So there'll be some new experiences there for him. So 
I think this will be an increasing year, increasingly in the organization. I think there'll be some other changes you might expect along the way, either in facilities or business side. So this is a lot of times the opportunity to do that. New president, you know, he's much younger than Dick. And so I think I think there'll be some new reflections in the front office. We'll see how it all goes down. The last day for Dick Cass will be the first day of April. And we just got done with the NFC and AFC championship games. Super Bowl is just over a week away, but the ratings were just off the charts for Championship Sunday, weren't they? Yeah, they just continue to build. I mean, look, it was what, five or six years ago we were talking about decreasing numbers. That has completely changed. And when you look at these numbers, um, it really it, it's hard to imagine because no other programming is even coming close. And so you mentioned the NFC and the AFC Championship games that occurred on Sunday. The AFC game, which was played first, um, you know, Kansas City and Cincinnati, that did an average of 47 million viewers. Now they did, you know, it peaked at, at other times. But then when the big game came, you know, the NFC game between the Rams and the 49ers, that averaged over 50 million viewers, and it peaked in the last 15 minutes of the game somewhere around 60 million. And so this is just, you know, it's taking up all of the oxygen in the television space and, I, you know, it's just hard to see anything else even coming close. And I suspect that this year for the Super Bowl, we'll be on next week and talk about it. But I think those numbers will reverse themselves as well. They've been sliding down under 90 million viewers the last year or two. I think that'll probably reverse a lot of interest in this game. And some of the sponsors are coming back. So the NFL continues to be king of television and, and that's just not going to change in the near future. No one's going to come close. And this is why I explained last week the rotation between CBS and Fox to have that second marquee game because you're moving into primetime audience territory, and we can see the difference in the numbers. Now, Brian Flores and his New York City media tour the other day uh, got a scathing response from several teams, the Dolphins, the Giants, the Broncos. They all fired back hard. Then hanger-on Hugh Jackson chimed in and got destroyed by Browns owner Jimmy Haslam. Uh, what about the cases with these two? Let's start with Brian Flores because, again, I think Hugh Jackson was late to the party. Yeah, so for those that haven't, you know, I'm sure people have heard about it, but he's essentially accusing the NFL and those three teams of sham interviews and incentivizing losses and, and pressure to maybe in some cases improperly recruit players, whether that's Tom Brady or whoever, to do it. And so that this is in addition to, you know, the other elements of his of his case. And so, yeah, he's specifically looking at the NFL and those three teams, the Dolphins, the Giants, and the Broncos, and he and his lawyers have a sort of a cadre of what they think is evidence to support that. Now, as you mentioned, it's rare, and I think it's interesting telling in this case that all three teams hit back publicly very hard. John Elway, Steve Ross, you know, the owners of the Giants, they all came out publicly and on the record. And I think what we learned in some of what they revealed is that these interview processes are very detailed. In many cases, they're recorded. They're taking notes. There's all sorts of things in there because I know they suspected these kind of situations might occur, and they've been ready for it. And so I do think Flores, he's filed a class action suit, and as I look tonight before this call, he hasn't had anybody join him yet. Hugh Jackson sort of chimed in a little bit. But right now, nobody else has joined him. Uh, and so we'll see what happens. I think the NFL will push. You'll talk about this with your legal folks. But the NFL will push 
to take this if they if it's even not dismissed at at the first level the NFL will push to take this to arbitration they won't want any discovery they won't want anything other else to come out like they saw with the John Gruden emails and so I think Flores has an uphill battle I think the publicity will be on his side for a while but we'll see as the weeks go on whether there's anything more to this than what he's brought um, to the public so far. You're right, because he doesn't have the deep pockets, the billionaire NFL owners and associates uh, who are being accused have. Yeah, well, look what the NFL did with Colin Kaepernick. Look what they did the city of St. Louis. I mean, ultimately, they moved this to private arbitration, mm-hmm. or like I said, even if it doesn't get dismissed. That's the first hurdle for this case. Uh, and if it's if it if it gets past the motion to dismiss, then the NFL will have to take it much more seriously. But so we'll watch over the next few weeks. And again, perhaps Brian Flores gets a job in the NFL. Who knows? And he may drop this if he, uh, you know, lands one of the final three um, NFL head coach jobs that are out there. I doubt it, but that could happen. That would be something. Certainly that press conference, no doubt about that. Now the Broncos are for sale. The trustees of Pat Bolin have announced. They will be selling the franchise. They want it closed by the start of the 2022 season. Uh, This sale is expected to fetch a record price for a sports franchise after the Panthers went for over $2 billion a few years ago to David Tepper. Yeah, so the Bolin name has been connected to this franchise for about 40 years, and Pat Bolin passed away a couple years ago, and there's been a lot of um, internal debate within the family and fights within the family about what should happen. And finally... Um, the trustees, there was a there was a lawsuit filed and and the, and the judge dismissed it. So that required now the trustees to put the put the team on the market. And yeah, the bidders out there, ex- I mean the sellers expect this to go for somewhere between three and a half and perhaps four billion. I think that's probably the floor for this um, because it is in a, in a pretty good market and it's got a you know a, a good track record. Now the challenge here will be, according to the NFL bylaws one owner has to put up at least 30% of whatever the final sale price is. And so we could be looking at somebody having to put up $1.2, $1.5 billion of their own money. And there is not that many people out there. There are some, believe it or not. And so the Bolin Trust has the responsibility, number one, to choose the highest bid, but the 31 other owners will have to approve it. So it's a combination of do you have the most money, like David Tepper, and can you get approved? And ultimately, David Tepper did because he'd been in the NFL as a minority partner with the Steelers. And so all eyes will be on this. It's going to eclipse the Panthers for sure. It's going to eclipse the Dodgers sale, which was around $2.5 billion a few years ago. This is going to set a new record for sports franchises in North America. Talking sports business with Marty Conway from Georgetown and the Washington football team, not for sale just yet. Maybe one day Jeff Bezos will own that team. But now they're called the Commanders. They had the big name change on the Today Show. As you were saying, a big meh. I mean, we waited two years for this, Marty? Yeah, so almost around 18 months or so by the time you know Dan Snyder said we're, we're no longer going to be called the Redskins and they moved to WFT or Washington football team. And they've been they've had all sorts of speculations as to what it will be and the Red Wolves and different things and all. But ultimately, yeah, I think when we saw this, I think the expectations were higher. That given all the time that they had and they were going to move this to the Today Show as a segment, but ultimately it was literally just the president turning to Doug Williams and saying, "What's the name going to be?" And he said, "It's the Commanders." And that was sort of it. There was no other unveiling. 
uh, on TV or anything, and then they, they cut to more of a local show. And now we see that even they're having problems getting merchandise in because of, they've said, supply chain issues. So they don't have enough jerseys. They may not have any jerseys to sell. And so I think overall this was just sort of underwhelming. I think most people knew that it was going to be the commanders. There was a leak, you know, the night before with a helicopter showing the, you know, inside the FedEx stadium. And so <laughs> I just think in so many ways it was so poorly handled. But now that it's over and we can move on, but, yeah, the day after that there was a pretty damning – circumstance on Capitol Hill, and there was a new allegation made directly to Dan Snyder of sexual harassment. So more to this story, and and the commander's story landed for basically one day, and now we're back to the old issues around the football team. All right, we have more ahead with Georgetown Sports Business and Management Professor Marty Conway. I want to ask about the Super Bowl ads, about Amazon Prime about to raise their prices because... Well, if you're a football fan, you'll understand. And is anyone bothering to watch the Winter Olympics? Coleman, 1057, The Fan. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast seven. the fan brings you sports with coleman what's up everybody this is carmelo you're listening to my man and be more jerry coleman 1057 the fan And we continue talking the business of sports with Georgetown Sports Business and Management Professor Marty Conway. Marty, Super Bowl around the corner a week from Sunday. The ads are out. Some are being previewed on social media, some on television. What has caught your eye thus far? And I know NBC's already sold out. Yeah, well, if you ask me what's caught my eye, the price has caught my eye because (laughs) NBC's talking about seven million dollars for a 30 second ad now if you're buying one ad in the super bowl you might be paying seven million if you're buying 
several, like six, like Anheuser-Busch, you're not paying $7 million per. But nonetheless, they continue to inch up. And so, yeah, you mentioned a couple of themes this year early. First of all, electric cars, uh, BMW, Kia, probably others, Nissan, will be pushing their electric cars. I want you to look forward to the BMW commercial with Arnold Schwarzenegger. I think that one's going to be popular with people. He was just uh, in a car accident. Yeah, I know exactly right. But he's going to be representing BMW uh, in their electric car ad. Peyton Manning's going to be in at least one, maybe more than one. I know he's going to be Michelob Ultra. He might be in Lay's as well, so Peyton Manning. And for those that remember the E-Trade Baby from eight years ago, the E-Trade Baby is oh, yes. back. So. There'll be some new things. Uh, many of the brands are coming back after being off for a year or two. And so I think there'll be more buzz to these ads than they have over the last couple of years where they've fallen flat. So, again, you know, more people will be talking about the ads the next day probably than the game. Um, and that's sort of the way that this works uh, with, with Super Bowl advertising. Well, I love the Amazon Medusa ad. I told you that last week on this show. I think it's very creative. I've watched it multiple times. But... If you are an Amazon Prime customer, your bill is about to go up thanks to the NFL. Do you think customers will notice? Well, as you mentioned, they note they mentioned that they're going to push their annual subscription price. I want to make sure people understand that. Their annual subscription price, if you pay once a year, it'll go from 119 to 139. And again, they have said part of the reason for the increase in subscriptions is because they're bringing the NFL to Amazon Prime next uh, next year on Thursday nights. Now, if people, however, are paying monthly, and a number of them are, it's actually going to go up to $180 a month if you're paying uh, $14.99 a month is what you will be paying. But look, look, at this point, it doesn't seem to impact Amazon. In their last reports, they talked about having somewhere around 175 million U.S. Uh, Prime subscribers. Now, again, 175 million of those people are not watching football. They're they're counting on getting free packages or quick shipping. Yes. So we'll see how this works because if people do understand, hey, just like with cable, I, I'm paying for football even though I'm not watching it, it may force Amazon. To, but I think that's down the road. Right now this is one of the best deals for, uh, for the NFL because it's a bundle deal. And uh, so it's going to be back to the same – but, yeah, uh, one of the reasons why they cited their increase was to pay essentially $2 a month more to subscribers to uh, bring football to Amazon Prime. All right, let's turn our attention now from the Super Bowl to the Beijing Olympics over in communist China. How is NBC engaged in terms of the political issues? Uh, we know the opening ceremonies, which are being replayed tonight, I don't know how much political talk there was on that. They do have a news presence over there, so I don't think they'll be muzzled altogether, Marty, but maybe on the sports side of thing, they'll tailor it a little back. Yeah, so Thursday night was the first night that Mike Tirico was on live from Beijing, and, and they addressed it. They had two people. Uh, one is a Yale uh, professor, and the other is somebody that's spent a lot of time in the region over there. And they gave some adequate descriptions sort of about what's going on there. And again, when they had live this morning, uh, Friday morning, uh, when they had the uh, opening ceremonies live, they had those two people there again, and they talked about, you know, as, as um, uh, uh, countries came into the stadium, they talked about that a little bit. But at the end, there was, a, there was a twist at the end that people weren't expecting, and that is one of the final Chinese athletes who actually lit the torch in the stadium is actually one of the Uyghur Muslims. In other words, he's an ethnic minority 
and and many people were surprised by that, and they thought that was just sort of China sticking their thumb in people's eye to say we're not really going to make a difference. And so everything kind of comes with controversy at this point. And again, I think that is leading to why Americans specifically, almost 50% who were polled said they don't plan to watch any or even just a slight amount is what they talked about. And the reason why those more than 40% of those people who said that cited their opposition to the games being held in China as the reason. So um, there's there's a lack of interest in the events in the winter sports and the winter olympics there's definitely a lack of known athletes you've only got three or four going into the games that probably resonate with any kind of sports fan and so very difficult this year for nbc now they switched originally this was a cbs super bowl year nbc asked to switch from last year to this year so that they could combine and so when the super bowl is over instead of having a show that they're going to premiere they're going to go right to olympic action and hope that they can catch that Super Bowl audience and have them hang around for another hour or two and capture that. So that's the way they're going at it, uh, both from a news and from a sports standpoint. And to be honest with you, if you're not watching NBC or an affiliated channel, you don't even know about the Olympics. No one else is virtually talking about it, which brings me to Peacock and how much money this streaming service has lost up to this point. It's a struggle to launch a streaming service. There are now so many out there. Every major media company has a streaming service, and I would say so much for cutting the cord. Yeah, so what NBC did was, NBC is an example, right? Not only are you doing your linear channel, your network, NBC, but they have been running a sports channel. Now, as of January, NBC actually shut their NBC Sports Network, so they've started to do that, but then they also have to mo- have to monitor and raise a streaming service, and yeah, Comcast in their um, earnings this past quarter announced that they're losing over a billion dollars right now on Peacock, and it's going to triple to almost $3 billion as they continue to buy content for their streaming service. And so they're going to put the Olympics, it's on completely, they're trying to do whatever they can. But again, just like with sports betting that we've talked about for the last several weeks, there's going to have to be a consolidation around streaming services and it's probably going to go back, Jerry, to the bundle where you find a distributor, they bundle three, four, or five different streaming services in, and it might not even be less expensive than your cable bundle that you're currently paying for. Which is why I still have cable. Now, as far as inside the bubble there at the Beijing Olympics, uh, obviously it's a closed situation. I've seen television live shots. I mean, once you're in the bubble, you're not really allowed to leave it, but there have been COVID breakouts. Yeah, so right now there's been a little over 200 people, become athletes and officials and all that, who are inside the loop. They call that the closed loop, as you said, who have actually tested positive for, for COVID. But, yeah, if, if you, when, when you're an athlete, when you arrive there and, you at, and you're there by charter, uh, you're met with people in a biohazard suit with goggles and all that. And, and yeah, if you're, once you're in the loop, once you're tested and you're in the loop, uh, you're tested every morning. You're swabbed every morning, and, and you can go on your way if you don't test positive. But, yeah, you don't have any contact at all with anybody from the outside. So in the past Olympic Games, particularly in China, part of it was mixing cultures and bringing all that experience. None of that happens. And so this is the end of the Asian swing for the Olympics. We had Pyeongchang, South Korea in 2018. Obviously, we had Tokyo last year, and now we have Beijing. And so I think the IOC and the public are probably through with Asian games for a while. 
we head to Paris in 2024, and then obviously we come to Los Angeles in 2028. And so I think the world will be happy to move away from those other territories and move back into, in, into different places where the time zone is better. And frankly, the television will probably just be better. And frankly, most of the world outside of the athletes and a few diplomats aren't going to China. The USOC, I mean, they have gathered their sponsors and donors somewhere in Utah since they can't do much in Beijing. Is this really a clinic into how to engage major sponsors in the midst of a pandemic, Marty? Yeah, so what you're talking about here is they're doing this in Park City, uh, and, and this is a collaboration between LA28 and Team USA, and so they're going to bring hundreds of guests. They're going to bring donors, bring executives from their sponsors like Airbnb and Visa and Procter and & Gamble and all that. And so the games will be telecast on NBC, but in this case, all of the uh, activity and activation will occur there. And they need to because Team USA brings in about a billion dollars in that four-year cycle from 2017 to 2020. Because remember, the U.S. is one of only three countries in the world that does not publicly fund its Olympic movement. There is no ministry of sport. Everything is raised privately through media and sponsorships and licensing and donations. And so they have to do these kind of events to try to keep sponsors happy and to keep athletes and families and all that involved in this process. Well, I think it's a smart move. Now, let's transition to the WNBA. They're making news. Somehow they raised $75 million. Who did they get the money from, and what do they want to do with it? And does the NBA really want to wash their hands of the WNBA? It's been a lost leader. I think they made $10 million last year, which is peanuts in pro sports. And to me, it's about supply and demand. And there really isn't a demand for the WNBA. In fact, none in my world. That's why their max contract is around $200,000. Well, keep in mind, you know, in the context of things, less than 5% of all sports media is devoted to um, women's athletics. And less than 1% of all sponsorships goes to women's athletics. So it is still small. But yeah, the NBA, I'm sorry, the WNBA has raised $75 million dollars this is the first time they've ever raised money on their own, and I do think it's an indication of them further separating from the NBA. In other words, the NBA saying there's no more money coming their way. And so they raised it from a diverse group of individuals. You had certain NBA owners like Ted Leonsis and Joey Sy. You had Lorraine, Paul jo- uh, Lorraine Powell Jobs, Steve Jobs' widow, get involved. And all told, this $75 million essentially will go to operations to try to expand the base because, as you mentioned, they're going to continue to separate from the NBA themselves. So this is the first time in 25 years, Jerry, that they've raised their own money, and I think it's an indication that they're going to have to be much more independent going forward and have to pay higher salaries to keep players. And I I think they see their costs rising, and uh, so this was necessary at this time. That'll be something to follow for sure. Now, there are two different golf events going on this week. One, the PGA Tours Pebble Beach Pro-Am, which is very popular in California, but across the world in Saudi Arabia, the first of the new Greg Norman Saudi-led events, which is where a lot of high-profile players have gone for a big money grab from the Saudis because there are money guarantees for playing overseas, but not in the U.S., yeah, so this is the the Saudi Invitational is the first of this twenty um, twenty events that they're going to be running over the next year or so. And right now, as you mentioned, there's twenty PGA Tour members: Phil Mickelson, Bryson DeChambeau, Dustin Johnson, Patrick Reed are all over there playing, um, and they're getting appearance money for sure. 
And this is an indication that the now they had to get the permission this time for the PGA to miss uh, the AT&T event, um, but it's starting to see that competition for players. And Phil Mickelson, who's playing over there, has been very vocal of late about his issues with the PGA Tour and their unwillingness to share media money, and he sees this as leverage, and I think some other players will too, and so we'll see how the um, PGA Tour responds to this, but this, this, is, this tour is backed by the uh, Saudi um, um, Sovereign Wealth Fund, and they've got somewhere around $300 million yeah. and Greg Norman running it, and so they will be formidable for the PGA Tour for the next several years, I think. They do have some deep pockets, no disputing that. As far as sports wagering, Marty, uh, the first sports book at a Major League Baseball park is going to be Nats Park in D.C. So that's two for the District of Columbia at sporting venues, where here in Maryland, my count at zero. <laughs> yeah, the Nat- National Washington Nationals and Nats Park have announced that their uh, their relationship with MGM just across the National Harbor is now open. Their sports book is now open. Now, obviously, there won't be baseball there for several months, perhaps, but they do have a sports book. And yeah, uh, Capital One Arena has had an open sports book for several months. And I know that the DC United uh, Soccer Stadium, which isn't too far from Nats Park, also has a license. They haven't announced what they'll be doing yet. And so there could be as many as three sports books in DC open this year alone. And as you mentioned, in Maryland, none. And so I think all that money is going to flow and flock to at least those two that are open, and, and maybe that will set something in motion either at M&T or Oriole Park. But you can't just stand alone. You, you're not going to just be able to not move. The money's going to move somewhere, uh, and so they need to get going. But we'll see. Baseball hasn't started. I think it's ironic that they're opening this in the midst of um, a lockout. Yeah. We'll see what happens, and maybe by April we'll be playing baseball. All right, last but not least, he has retired officially. I'm talking about Tom Brady. He has a NFT startup, the Non-Fungible Tokens. Reportedly, it raised $170 million in startup venture capital. Yeah, if you put those two phrases together today, Jerry, Tom Brady and NFTs, I think you could raise as much as you want because people are flocking to that. And, and I think you're going to see Tom Brady do things differently than other previously retired players. I don't know that he'll go to media right away, maybe eventually, but I do think you'll continue to see him involved in many more of these private investments and startup situations, TB12 and the other things that he has, because I think he's, he's watched very carefully over his long and distinguished career. And remember, he has a wife who's a supermodel who's been doing business like this for decades, and so that combination is going to be very formidable, and uh, I think you'll see him get more and more involved. And don't be surprised if he shows up as a surprise, perhaps even in a Super Bowl ad that might have been shot between now and the time the Super Bowl plays. Hmm. There's a nice tease. Marty Conway talking the business of sports. You can find him on Twitter, at Marty Conway. Marty, have a great weekend. Look forward to catching up next week. Okay, Jerry, thank you. All right, there he goes. Marty Conway, Georgetown Sports Business and management professor, also a former executive with the Orioles and Texas Rangers, along with AOL. So he knows his business of sports, no doubt about it. And if you're a student in his class, you're very fortunate. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for 25 bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. 
Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.